Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 38 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, I'm reminding myself about foul brood diseases. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Welcome once again to my weekly podcast, and my thanks to those of you listening via the Patreon page. I really appreciate your support. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a support page where you can help me create more content by signing up to one of my reward tiers, and in return, you gain access to additional content and support from me. These start from as little as $1 per month, so I believe with the regular quality content I'm producing, $1 represents excellent value for money. If you've not yet started beekeeping and you're looking for help and assistance, pop over to my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk forward slash get started and I'll do all I can to help you out with suggestions and recommendations for you. As usual, I'll leave any relevant links for this week's podcast in the show notes. As we head into the autumn and winter months, I wanted to revisit some of the more important aspects of beekeeping, and maybe some of what I'm talking about might just cause you to pause for a moment and maybe think about your own beekeeping practices and perhaps draw some comparisons. You may well take some time to consider your own beekeeping and realise that all you're doing is just fine and that there's no need to change anything. But just maybe something I mention might help you. By making one or two small changes in the way that you manage your bees, you might find a new or a better way of doing something. So this week I wanted to talk about the two foul brood diseases, American foul brood and European foul brood. As you may know, I did spend a short period of my beekeeping journey as a seasonal bee inspector here in the UK. I thoroughly enjoyed my time as a bee inspector, visiting beekeepers and helping raise their awareness of the health of their honeybees. After all, healthy honeybees are productive honeybees. A lot of the information that I'm discussing in today's podcast comes directly from the National Bee Unit's Foul Brood Disease of Honeybees booklet. You can download this booklet free of charge from the BeeBase website, regardless of whether you're in the UK or not. So do check out the link in the notes with this podcast. One of the benefits of working as a bee inspector was the constant focus on the health of honeybees. Each and every inspection was specifically to search for pests and diseases. Once you've inspected a few hundred beehives, you quickly become attuned to spotting disease. Or to put it in a better way, you become aware of when the colony is not healthy. For beginner beekeepers, this is an important first step being able to identify healthy bees and brood. If you've seen my video of the chronic bee paralysis virus, you can immediately see that there's something wrong with the adult bees. You might not know exactly what it is, but you can see there's something not quite right, and that comes from building up experience over a period of time. From that point, you can always call in a more experienced beekeeper or your bee inspector if you're uncertain of what you're looking at and you need help with the identification. It's the same with brood. Healthy brood just looks right. Lifting a frame out of the brood box and seeing cells packed with bright, pearly white larvae curled at the bottom of the cell in a gentle C-shape 
growing larger with age until the cells are capped over, and you've a frame completely capped, looking for all the world like a misshapen digestive biscuit. It even looks the same colour. Not that I'm obsessed with digestive biscuits, but let's face it, who doesn't like them? Returning my attention to the foul brood diseases, and speaking specifically to those beekeepers here in the UK, remember these two diseases are known as statutory notifiable diseases. This means that if you suspect you have an infection of either of these two diseases, you must contact your local bee inspector. Technically, it falls under the Bee Diseases and Pests Control brackets England close brackets order of 2006 and this gives the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs power to take measures to control both AFB and EFB. There are similar orders in place for Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland which basically allow for the same controls. If you want to read the order it's available again from the National Bee Unit website. Regardless of where and how you keep your bees, you need to be aware that there is a risk of them contracting these diseases. Generally, it's not the beekeeper's fault when the disease first arrives, but so many beekeepers fail to spot it in one colony that it then gets moved around from hive to hive and apiary to apiary. I've seen some very sad situations where many colonies have had to be destroyed due to the beekeeper's inability to identify the disease and then the beekeeper starts moving frames and bees around thus spreading it through their setup. That said, the first colony to be infected is, I think, not generally the beekeeper's fault. It may be infected by a rogue visitor carrying the disease or more likely the healthy bees have found an infected hive that's not been dealt with properly and have then robbed it out, bringing the disease back to their own hive. And that's really not the beekeeper's fault, but it's what the beekeeper does from this point that can really show how good their beekeeping skills are. Good beekeeping husbandry will generally minimise any threat of the disease spreading and some simple steps can really help reduce and isolate any infections. As a starting point, Always write in your diary dates for carrying out several disease inspections every season. And what I mean by this is that when you inspect your bees, you're specifically looking for the bees and looking for the brood to make sure that they're healthy. Ignore the fact that you normally go in looking for the queen. Just concentrate on checking the bees and the brood for signs of good health. There are lots of ways you can minimise the risk of these two diseases. For instance... Once you've finished listening to this podcast, do a little more reading and research. Seek out pictures of AFB and EFB and really get to know the diseases. For most beekeepers, you're unlikely to have an infection. But when you do find an infection, you need to know that what you're looking at is either AFB or EFB. Another step that can be taken is to regularly replace old comb. I normally try to replace three or four frames per colony per year. Now that's a lot of work for commercial bee farmers, but if you only have a few hives it can be done quite easily during the course of your normal inspections. Make sure that you keep your apiary clean and tidy. Don't leave old frames with comb lying around. If colonies do die out, Get them cleaned up as soon as possible and make sure you block the entrance as soon as you discover that the colony has died. If you ever buy second-hand equipment, make sure you give it a really good clean prior to using it. And if you're buying bees, 
make sure that you get a chance to look at them first or ensure they come from a reputable, trustworthy beekeeper or company. Another control that you can put in place is to never move frames between colonies unless you're absolutely certain that they're healthy. Any time a colony seems to be slow to build up or is much weaker than the other colonies, have a closer look at the bees and brood and carry out a full disease inspection. So these are things that you can do to help yourself, but at some point you might just fall victim to a foul brood disease. And you shouldn't consider it to be your fault when you do. Too many beekeepers feel it reflects badly on them as beekeepers and are really worried when they get this disease. But I can assure you it can happen to the very best beekeepers. So don't worry, just make sure that you deal with it effectively and promptly. So let's look at the two foul brood diseases. Firstly, American foul brood, which has the Latin name Penobacillus larvae, is a spore-forming bacterium that the larvae pick up when they eat food that carries the spores. These spores then germinate in the gut of the larvae and multiply very rapidly. Initially, the larvae simply die and turn brown in colour. Remember, healthy brood has a pearly white appearance. It's at this stage that if you spot a cell with a suspect larvae in it and insert a matchstick, you might get what's known as roping. As the matchstick is removed from the cell, the remains of the dead larvae disintegrate and forms a stringy rope between the matchstick and the cells. It doesn't always happen, but it's a good sign that you may have a problem with that colony. If left longer, the larvae will eventually dry out and form a husk or scale on the bottom of the cell. This is another telltale sign. You might also notice that the wax cappings appear wet and sunken. Sometimes greasy looking is a description you might hear. And very often you'll find perforated cells. And this is described as a shotgun pattern, although this can be a little misleading as a heavy infection of other pests and diseases can also lead to perforated cappings. Here in the UK, the only treatment of a colony with a confirmed AFB infection is destruction. Antibiotics are used in other countries, and this is something, personally, I would prefer not to see. AFB can be controlled by destruction. We have a low incidence of it here in the UK because of this policy, and to me, it just makes sense. No one wants to see bees destroyed, but if it saves countless other colonies, then I'm for it. I've never yet had a colony suffer from AFB, but if I were not in the UK, I would undoubtedly destroy it to preserve the rest of my stocks. European fowl brood, which has the Latin name Melissococcus plutonius, as I mentioned earlier, is the other statutory notifiable brood disease. EFB differs from AFB, and that it's not a spore-forming bacteria. EFB develops in the mid-gut of the larvae. Interestingly, while AFB is normally associated with capped brood, EFB is almost always seen in open brood prior to the cells being capped. As the bacteria develops, the larvae usually die due to a lack of food and starve, and if you're able to remove the larvae intact from the cell, you'll see the millions of bacteria that have developed in the gut of the larvae. You can see a cream-coloured sac in the middle of the larvae, and that's its mid-gut, stuffed full of the bacteria. What happens is the larvae tend to become translucent, and that mid-gut appears as a creamy white blob. 
If you're ever unfortunate to find this disease in your hive, you will see that instead of healthy-looking pearly white larvae curled up in that nice C shape in the bottom of the cell, they will very often be twisted in the cell and be discoloured, sometimes referred to as a melted blob of cheese in the bottom of the cell. I'm not obsessed with food, honestly. It's just an easy way to describe what to look for. Once you have a high percentage of infected larvae in a colony, you can actually smell the infection, and it's not pleasant. So here's where me and the National Bee Unit differ on the best way to deal with an infection of EFB. For me, the best way to protect my other colonies is to follow the same process as with AFB and destroy the colony. And I can't for the life of me understand why we don't just do that. We still have rules that allow infected colonies to be treated with antibiotics and also the use of the shook swarm procedure to be performed. I do know that there's a reluctance to do this now, but it is still available under the rules. I've only ever had one colony infected with European fowl brood, and as soon as it was confirmed, the colony was destroyed. They happened to be in an apiary with around 15 other colonies at the time, and having taken a strong stance, none of the other colonies became infected. And that was quite a number of years ago now, and thankfully, it's never reappeared. I don't know where it came from, but I wasn't going to sit around and watch all my other colonies go down with it. I can understand the reluctance to destroy a complete apiary if it's not a legal requirement, and I guess the hope is that it's brought under control and managed in some way. But I don't think we know enough yet about the way it moves around and develops in colonies. Some beekeepers I've spoken to believe it sits quietly in a lot of hives and doesn't become apparent until the hive is under stress. I'm just not so sure. All I know is that the biggest cause of the spread of these diseases is the beekeeper. I think if beekeepers had a better understanding of how to identify these diseases and took positive action when it's discovered, we would have far fewer incidences of these diseases, which would leave bee inspectors more time to go off hunting for the Asian hornet. But that's another worry for another podcast. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. I hope that your bees remain healthy and you never have to deal with these diseases. Please do keep the comments coming and we'll catch up next time. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Beekeeping short and sweet.